0: Good morning. Oop, Go back. Good to see all of you today. Last week was kind of weird. I got up here and nobody was here. <laughs> only, only Luke in the back. And let me tell you, I saw every movement of Luke. So but good to see you all today. Um, I'm excited about this new series we're going to come up with, or we're going to learn about the next four weeks leading up to Christmas. When it comes to the time, Leading up to Christmas, we often do things that are Christmas-related, right? Every day. I think every day we probably do something that's Christmas-related. The Christmas season begins the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, right? Or that's what it used to be. When, I, when we were growing up, when I was a kid, it was always that Black Friday. That was the start of Christmas. I don't know about you, but that's when it started for us. Times have changed, and you've probably noticed Seems like every day of the year, you're thinking of Christmas. What am I going to buy for Christmas for somebody else? The new sales are coming out each week. New items are put on the shelves. And you're like, oh, that's a good Christmas present for my friend of mine or a family member. And it's only January. I got to buy it for December. Times have changed. The Christmas season is here. Okay. For me, it starts after Thanksgiving. If you play Christmas music before Thanksgiving, I'm going to be like, turn it off. Because the day after Thanksgiving, that's when I think about Christmas the most. These are some of the questions you might be asking. What gifts do I buy my family and friends? You're already thinking that. What things should I put on my wish list, you kids? You have wish lists. You write them. You give them to your grandparents or your parents. This is what I want. Where will we spend Christmas this year? Is it going to be at our house or my brother's house or my parents' house? Where is it going to be? What food are we going to serve on Christmas? Ham, turkey, chicken, lasagna, what do you pick? What will be going on at church during the Christmas season? You probably know what's going on here. I'm preaching every Sunday, and we're singing songs. We know what's going on at church. Will there be Christmas programs to attend? You know, if you have kids in school, are they doing school Christmas programs? Are we going to go to those? Are we going to go to a Christmas concert or something like that? These are questions we ask ourselves when we think about Christmas. Now, how many times a year does Christmas come around? Only once. So, how should we celebrate this year? When we celebrate Christmas, we usually think of characters of Christmas. Who or what gets us in the spirit of Christmas is another way to put it. What gets us in the spirit? Now, look at these. Does that get you in the Christmas spirit? Does that get us in the Christmas spirit? Does this, the star, get us in the Christmas spirit? When I was a kid, I mean, Santa Claus always got us in the Christmas spirit. Our parents didn't tell us there was no Santa Claus, because I still believe there's a Santa Claus. These get us in the spirit of Christmas. Now, a question for you. What Christmas books or movies do you enjoy? Can you think of some? Shout them out if you have one that you just, every Christmas season you read this book or you watch this movie or show. Can I hear some? White Christmas. Charlie Brown's Christmas. Wonderful Life, Klaus. Home Alone. Home Alone. Anybody else? Okay, the best Christmas pageant ever. Online, if you want to put them in the comments, I'd love to see what you all say, too. Here's some of my, what I thought of, books or movies. The Littlest Angel, Christmas in a Manger, those are books I read to Beatrice all the time. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Nutcracker. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I always loved that as a kid. Klaus, we watched that a couple years in a row now. A Christmas Carol. Home Alone, I heard that. Santa Claus. These books and movies all have characters of Christmas in them. These different characters we read about and watch, they'll be watched by many this Christmas season leading up to Christmas. I know I will probably be one of them reading books and watching Christmas movies. Though these different characters get us in the mood and the spirit of Christmas, they're fun to read, they're enjoyable to watch, we laugh, we cry, we cannot forget the true meaning of Christmas and why we celebrate this season that we're about to go into. In a book of mine, I took it off the shelf again, William Placker in his book writes this, about the characters of Christmas. And we're going to look at them, and you'll find out who we're going to talk about. You've probably seen them online if you're on there. This is what William Placker says, "...even the stories of Jesus' birth make clear that Jesus is going to change the rules. He is a king born in a stable. He is God made flesh, but his birth occasions scandal and violence." Authorities appear in the story ordering people around and massacring children. It is an embarrassed woman, some strange foreigners, and some disreputable shepherds who seem to be those with whom and through whom God is working in the birth of this human being who is also God. Jesus' birth set the pattern for his ministry. The characters of Christmas, as we read in the Bible, are not who you expect to find. The next four Sundays, we're going to talk about eight different characters, which some of you might not be—you might not think about very often. We think of Jesus, yes. But today we're going to talk about Mary and Joseph. Next week, shepherds and angels. December 12th, we're going to talk about Simeon and Anna and then December 19th, King Herod and the Magi. Sometimes we forget about these characters. We go straight to Jesus. But these characters give us lessons we can learn for this Christmas season and in our lives. Pray with me before we get into Mary and Joseph today. God, thank you so much for today where we can start thinking about the Christmas season And the characters that surround this season, especially from your word. I pray as we look forward to the birth of Jesus and God coming to earth as a baby and living a life as a human being and eventually dying on the cross for our sins, I pray that we would learn truths that we can apply to our lives from these different characters that we may not think about every year. Again, Help us not to waste this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, begin their accounts with the birth of Jesus. The Gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, record the narrative of Jesus' birth. Now Matthew begins, if you look at Matthew's, he begins with the genealogy the birth of Jesus from Joseph's point of view, and then the visiting magi that come and visit him at two years of age. Then you go to Luke, on the other hand, introduces why he wrote the book, his gospel. You get that. Then you get John the Baptist's birth before we get to Jesus' birth. And then with each of those stories, Luke begins telling about Elizabeth and Mary then you read about angels visiting, the sh- angels visiting shepherds on the hillside, and they visit Jesus after he was born. So Matthew and Luke write about Jesus' birth, but they're way different. You, you go to Matthew, there's no shepherds. Mary's mentioned maybe twice. Just a little snippet. It's from Joseph. Luke's ab- all about Mary. Today we're going to look at both of those characters and some truths that we can learn from them, that we can use in our own life as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now a question for you, since Matthew, the Gospel writer of Matthew, and Luke, the Gospel writer of Luke, they're different, which one's true? You can shout it out. Both of them. We can't just stick with one and say, oh, I'm only going to believe Matthew's point of view. Or some of us may, oh, I'm only going to say Luke. But if you take them together, there's some good things when they're together that are interesting. And that's what we're going to try to look at today. If we put them together, there's more that we can learn about the story of Jesus' birth, and especially about Mary, and what we can learn from Mary, and what we can learn from Joseph. Because let me tell you, when I was growing up, I didn't hear a lot about Joseph. Today you're going to get some Joseph. Because he's he's an important character in this story. So, if you haven't turned there already, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 first today. And talk about Mary. And then we're going to go to Matthew and talk about Joseph. Now, the words aren't going to be on the screen, because you see that passage. That is a long passage. So, If you have your listening ears today, we learned it in Sunday school, he who has ears, let him hear, right, Jody? Or you can follow along in your Bibles if you have them too. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Who knows about Nazareth? Anybody? Anybody know about Nazareth? Nothing good. Do you know who said that? that? That's the Judean contemporary. That's their feeling about Nazareth. Who said that in the Gospel of John? Nathaniel. He said this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Just what Jody said. That was the, that was the contemporary Jewish thought of Nazareth. What good can come from there? Let's keep reading. That's interesting, isn't it? That we start in Nazareth. Nothing good can come from there. Verse 27. So Gabriel comes to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We see another interesting thing here. Pledged to be married to Joseph, or betrothed, some of your translation may say, or our word today, it's not quite the same, but engagement. This was not just a casual promise. It's not like, okay, we're, we might get married someday. No, this was a very serious pledge to be married to each other. Only divorce or death could separate the two. If Joseph were to die during the betrothal, Mary would have become a widow, even before they consummated the marriage. Only death and divorce could separate Mary and Joseph. Interesting to think about. As you continue this story, you'll find out that's interesting to think about. Now, if you think of engagement in our culture today, is it that serious? Is it that serious? Yeah, we're engaged to be married. Two weeks later, oh, we're not engaged anymore. I don't even like that guy anymore. I don't even like that girl anymore. So they break it off. They never get married. It's not that serious. But in this culture, Mary and Joseph, they were married. Only death, divorce, could separate them, even before the marriage was a complete marriage. Now, keep that in mind as we keep going through this story, okay? Because it's, You'll find out how serious and what's going on in this story. Verse 27 and following. I read 27. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's troubled. But this troubling is not some fearful thing. This troubling shows us she's humble, she's, she has humility. David Guzik, an enduring word commentator, said this, truly godly people don't go around thinking about how godly they are. Mary doesn't say, oh, I'm this godly person, that's why you're coming to me. She's troubled, but it's a, humil- a humble troubled Keep reading with me. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, she asked the question. Walter Liefeld, another commentator, said this, Mary asked for light on how God will accomplish his, this wonder. She wants to know, how is this going to happen? It reminded me of the Psalm 119, verse 105. What's that say? Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. She wanted to know, how is this going to happen? Shed some light on this for me, Gabriel. Renita Weems, an African-American biblical scholar, she wrote, Mary was not questioning the wisdom of her age. Instead, she questions the inconvenience of all of it. She knew enough to realize that being betrothed and pregnant by anyone other than the man she was to marry was dangerous in her society. Now remember, Mary's probably only about 14 years old here. And in that society, if you're found to be pregnant before getting married, you're probably not going to live. So she asked the angel Gabriel, Gabriel, Shed some light. How is this going to happen? I'm only a virgin. I I haven't had relations with a man yet. Keep reading. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary's answer here in verse 38 is one of submission to God. Another verse came to my mind. In the Lord's Prayer, your will, Lord, be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we should pray often. That's what Mary, I believe, is doing here. I'm your servant, Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. She's submitting her will to God's will. This acceptance shows her willingness to become a servant of God Submitting to the plan that the Lord has established. David Guzik again writes, She will be identified with the sinners so that the purpose of God would be fulfilled. Remember, if you're found to be pregnant by any other man in that society than the man you're going to marry, you'll be put to death. It's dangerous. She's saying, your will be done, Lord. She's identifying herself with sinners. So that whose purpose can be fulfilled or whose plans are going to be accomplished? God's will. Keep reading, though. Here we go. At the time Mary got ready, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. So she goes. Gabriel leaves her, and she hurries to a town where Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. We see here, you have Mary, who's a what? Virgin. Elizabeth is what? A woman in her old age, past the childbearing years. Isn't it pretty, not weird, I don't want to say weird, but it's neat how God is working here. Stephanie Blackman Crowder, in her commentary on Luke, wrote this, and you can see it here, barrenness and virginity prove fertile ground for what God wants to accomplish. Nothing is impossible with God. Barrenness and virginity. Who did Elizabeth give birth to? John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus, who was born to the Virgin Mary. That is amazing. Keep reading. We're going to finish Luke here. Mary's song here. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see it there again. Mary's acknowledging that God is her Savior. Only sinners need a Savior, right? Right? Only sinners need Need a Savior. And Mary is saying, God, my Savior. Verse 48 For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Just as he promised our ancestors, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What a story about Mary and the Gospel of Luke. Remember, Luke investigated and said, I'm going to write down something that is trusted from eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. One commentator said, Luke probably got this story from Mary herself. That's something to think about. Mary retelling the story to Luke saying Gabriel came to me. I was troubled, but I said, God, this is your will. I'm your servant. Here we go. So that's Mary's story. That was a lot of verses. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Now how many times was Joseph mentioned in Luke? Once? Only pledged to be married to a man named Joseph? Now go to Matthew chapter 1. This is the Gospel of Matthew, and he writes this, starting in verse 18, okay? Matthew 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Right there, he starts off mentioning the birth of Jesus the Messiah, the Savior. This is how it came about. Joseph, or His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Okay, we get Mary. Pledged to be married to Joseph. We saw that in Luke, correct? Mary was pledged to be married. When Mary was found to be pregnant, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Mary's found to be pregnant. Joseph says, I need to try to solve this problem the best way I can see fit. And being faithful to the law, he knows what's going to happen, okay, if this gets out. He was faithful to the law, but did not want to shame Mary and her family and make a public disgrace of her. He had in his mind and heart to divorce her quietly. To say, this is not going to work, but I'm not going to shame you. I'm going to do it quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this. So he's thinking about this. He's, he's thought about how he's going to do it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So, who comes to Joseph after he's thought about this plan to quietly divorce Mary? Who comes to Joseph in a dream? The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord visited Joseph. God intervened. Remember, Joseph is going to divorce Mary quietly. God intervenes. Now, I have no evidence of this, okay? Okay. I don't have evidence of this, but I want to believe Joseph remembered this proverb after the angel of the Lord visits him. Proverbs sixteen twenty one: Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Joseph has this plan to do it quietly so Mary and her family is not disgraced and not be put to death. But I want to I want to imagine that Joseph remembered that proverb being taught to him as a kid. The Lord's purpose will prevail. Joseph made a good plan. Was it a good plan? Now I think it was a good plan. Joseph says, I'm gonna do it quietly. Mary, I'm not gonna shame you, I'm not gonna do that. But whose plan was better? God's plan way better than Joseph's. So I'm so glad that God intervened with this angel to Joseph in a dream. Keep going. Verse 20 at the end there. The angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth To a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angel of the Lord tells Joseph about the pregnancy, says it's from the Holy Spirit. And the importance of this event. Now, verse 21 is a favorite of mine. Did you catch what it said? She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The angel tells Joseph the importance of this birth. You're to name him Jesus, because he's going to save people from their sins. And that was spoken through the prophet. And going on, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, God with us. So this is a fulfillment of the prophet's prophecy. Keep reading. we got two verses left. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What did Joseph do? He did what the angel commanded him to do. Now, You heard Mary's story from Luke. You hear Joseph's story from Matthew. What can we learn from Mary and Joseph? Here's what we can learn. Four things. First, be humble. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Honor one another above yourselves. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Mary, a virgin, says, how is this going to happen? I'm your servant, Lord. Your will be done. Joseph gets this message from the angel. What does he do? Takes Mary as his wife. Humble. Be humble. Secondly, If you are a believer in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Follow God's ways. Here's another proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Do you think Mary and Joseph learned that too? I'm trusting in God's ways, not my own, and what prevailed God's purposes. Thirdly, so one, be humble. Number two, follow God's ways. Number three, there is a need to share the good news of Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us will save his people from their sins. We must be proclaiming the hope that we have in Jesus. There's good news to be shared. Don't be scared to share it with those around you. The good news, I think of that when Mary goes to Elizabeth. What happens to Elizabeth when Mary comes? She's filled with the Spirit. The baby in her womb leaps for joy. Mary had some good news. We should share the good news, too. Lastly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, a need for a Savior must be understood. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness. There's redemption the forgiveness of sins found in Jesus. We learn that today. You are to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And what does Joseph do after Jesus is born? He gives him the name Jesus. And we learn from Mary, God, my Savior, I'm praising God because of that. And if you haven't done that, I know it's a it's a choice that's hard. We don't want to acknowledge we're sinners. But if we repent our sins, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we can praise God like Mary. Elizabeth, Joseph. We'll see later the angels are saying to the shepherds, they're rejoicing. The magi come, they're rejoicing. King Herod, not so much. He was trying to kill Jesus. But you see, Jesus changing the rules. And you know what? With these characters we're studying Jesus can save anybody. So as we go out of these doors today, Jesus can save anybody. Be humble. Follow God's ways. Share the good news of Jesus. And believe in Jesus. He can save you and forgive you of your sins. Pray with me today. God, thank you so much for today. As we're studying the characters around your birth, thank you for Mary and Joseph and the gospel writers of Matthew and Luke telling us about these characters and how they played a part in your plans that you established and your plans prevailed. We think of Jesus, God with us this season. Help us to share the hope that Jesus brings to sinners like us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Mary and Joseph. Thank you for all that have heard this message today. Help us to remember what Christmas is all about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.